Welcome to Troweling Down, Biblical Archaeology for the 21st Century. Hi, I'm Gary Byers. This is our resident rock star, Dr. Stephen Collins, the director of the Tal al-Hammam Excavations. And we got some pretty cool stuff to talk about, about Tal al-Hammam. Now, we've been digging there for 15 years. 15 seems, seasons. Seems like 50. <laughs> We were so young. We had hair when we started digging there. I don't think I had hair. Yeah, you may I have had either. some, but I didn't. I didn't either. Well, anyway, we, 15 seasons is a long time in archaeology, and we're not done yet. But as we were digging the, the uh, remains of the ancient city down to, uh, well, we got to, we got to the early Bronze Age. We got back to the Chalcolithic period, way back uh, before Christ. Well, it, as we've been doing that, other scientists have been working, some with our material, and in the area around, and they just published a paper a couple weeks ago that was amazing. You want to talk about it? It was amazing, yeah, and it also got, got a lot of play, got a lot of downloads. Yeah. It's, it's, it was published in the scientific uh, journal called Scientific Reports. It's actually a subdivision of Nature, the Nature Group. So we say Nature slash Scientific Reports. And uh, it was titled a Tunguska class event. Now, I'm not going to give you the exact title. You can look it up. A Tunguska class airburst event destroying Tal el-Hammam in the southern Jordan Valley toward the end of the Middle Bronze Age. I mean, now, that's the gist of it. Now, if you want to look at it, all you have to do is go on the Internet and go scientific reports Tal el-Hammam. And you'll, it'll just come right up. And we're putting, it's, you should see it on the screen right now, and you'll be able to find it from that. But it's, it's an online journal, and the paper was how long? I don't, I don't remember if I actually looked at the, what the last page number was in the article as it came out, but it was, it, was long, it, was, it was bigger than most scientific papers. It was really, really long. But it wasn't just big in size. It was big in its, in its impact. It became, within a couple of weeks, it became, I think the last statistic I saw was the most read, accessed report, scientific reports had ever published. That, that, that's pretty big. I mean, it was way big. up there in the hundreds of thousands. And of course, today, we, we are publishing scientific reports, scientific journals, uh, online today, so it gives everybody access, which uh, 10 years ago they didn't have really. So it's, it's still a new phenomenon, but it's pretty cool that folks are interested in what we're finding. Now, um, uh, this was not a report done by our team. Right. This was done by others. It was done by a separate group that's been working on these kinds of um, astro, uh, astrophysical, I guess we would say, phenomena. Um, for, for a great part of their career, for decades, yeah. they have published in many, many prestigious journals, such as the one they just published in, uh, but also places like the uh, Proceedings of the National Academy yeah. of Sciences, things like that. So, I mean, they're, they're a, a group of scientists that's been studying, researching, analyzing airburst phenomena, meteoritic airburst explosion phenomena for a very long time. And so they are um, some of the experts in the world on this. There are others, of course. 
Um, but the one thing that made it so popular, the one thing that really made it go, yeah. I guess the word would be viral almost, yeah. is the fact that in a footnote or somewhere in the paper, they actually mentioned that this particular event could have been the baseline, sort of the historical seedbed from which the biblical story of Sodom and Gomorrah arose. Now, they got that idea from us because that's what we've been thinking and saying. So certainly they, they came up with that information because as they could see it, it was the right place at the right time and the right kind of stuff that created that. So how did they get in touch with us? How did they know about this? Well, it was kind of a roundabout thing. Um, Phil Sylvia, our director of scientific analysis on our team, um, had had seen and, and was now, after a while, familiar with uh, some of the high heat kind of indicators, objects that we had been excavating across the site. I think the first one we found was in our first probe into the Middle Bronze Age in the very first season. I yeah. mean, it, it really came out quick, uh, which re emphasizes the idea that the stuff is, is, is everywhere. Now it's exploded, it's churned up, it's, you know, it's, it's disintegrated, but it's there. We found some in the lower city and the upper city, and, and now in the palace we find lots of those kinds of products. But those are the obvious ones. I mean, and they could have been melted in the fires after the event, some of these. But the fact is that we found so much of it and so much destruction. I mean, that, that destruction layer, mm. Gary, as you yeah. know, is a meter to a meter and a half thick yeah. in places, especially where we're excavating on the upper city. So it's a massive destruction layer. And in that destruction layer, we find all manner of stuff, but fragmented, churned up. In fact, we call it the Cuisinart art effect. It's like that whole meter, meter and a half was just put into a Cuisinart art and somebody hit the button and then just spread it out everywhere. It's, a, it's evidence of a, an extremely hot, violent destruction. Our question is, uh, because it's in the right place, you know, Saul, uh, Sodom is in that exact same place in the Bible. I mean, Hamam is right on, right on that X. And um, also it's in the right time frame. We're talking about the Middle Bronze period. And so the Middle Bronze Age material um, was sampled a lot. And as you said, around the area on the site, they would sample above it in the Iron Age strata, through the Middle Bronze Age strata, below it into the, into the strata, whatever's below it, early yeah. Bronze Age. And so... But what they found was a bunch of proxies, and this is what they call them, proxies uh, of an airburst are micro, um, sort of micro evidences, yeah, yeah, chemical, yeah. melt-wise, um, other elemental signatures like, uh, you know, iridium, osmium, uh, melt products, microspherules from uh, high heat, stuff that was literally heated, uh, vaporized, and then re congealed into little, almost like vapor droplets, only of stone, silica, and iron, and other things. And we, we, um, we who aren't familiar with all that stuff, we could at least maybe have some sense of, of appreciation for that, because that's what happened with the first atomic blast. 
here in New Mexico at yeah, the ma Trinity site. The materials were very, were very similar. And created yeah. this new kind of stuff. That first, that first piece of uh, melt pottery that had melted surface, kind of greenish glass on the surface from the Middle Bronze Age uh, excavation, um, we took that and had it analyzed down at New Mexico Tech uh, in the year following that first season. And um, Dr. David Burley down there helped us uh, get all that organized and pre prepared the samples for us. And it went through the testing and uh, some very amazing things started to come about. Well, somehow uh, Phil had heard from Rob Hermes, who was at Los Alamos National Labs and or who had had a long career there and who was an expert in this stuff. And um, so he said, well, why don't we meet? We want to show you some of this stuff. And so Rob met with us somewhere, I don't know, McDonald's or somewhere. I don't know where we were. And um, so we sat down and we put the stuff on the table, shoved it over in front of Rob and his eyes got about that big. And he looked at it and says, wow, I recognize this stuff. From Trinity site and, 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 yeah. and from airburst events. Yeah, I, said, I know. I, he, I think one of the things he said was, I know this stuff. <laughs> and this is, you know, so he, he, he told another person and an, they told somebody else. And the word got around to this whole group of uh, scientists who work on this stuff. And they said, we want in. We want to come take samples. We want to test all of this out. And we want to see if possibly... We have an airburst event. Now, one thing we knew that they they weren't particularly into. These are not Bible scholars. These are not Bible guys. They're just they're just scientists, astrophysicists, physicists, geologists, and so so on. But um, they had an interest. There had never been, and nobody had ever studied because nobody had ever seen one. That is an airburst event over a populated area. Yeah. Well, here was one over a mega. For, for, for Bronze Age standards, sort of a mega ma metropolis, mm -hmm. an urban center. Here was, here was an urban center, in fact, 400 square kilometers that was all, in which all of the sites were snuffed out like that. And they wanted to see what happens when an airburst uh, explodes over a city. And, uh, and, and of course, they said Tunguska class. What does that mean? Tunguska 19, 1908 was a major airburst that destroyed several hundred square kilometers of Siberian forest. Just Siberian forest, no people around, just whether maybe yeah. a person here or there, but no people around. And you can Google it and see Tunguska, uh, Siberia, and see the events. There's, there's some great footage of that, just, just footage of, of trees just decimated, just laying down flat. But they've seen that kind of thing, but never over a populated area. Right. And, and sort of the question was, you know, what would happen if something like that happened over New York City or L.A. or something? What would happen? And uh, what would your contingency, what would the government's contingency plan be uh, for, for that? There's shows on TV about that. Yeah, right I, yeah, yeah. Everybody <laughs> wants to make a movie about that. But um, here was a chance to actually see the physical damage yeah. and the physical proxies of an airburst event. So guess what? So for about five, six, seven, yeah, probably seven years now, they've been looking at it, studying it, putting it through scanning electron microscopes and all kinds of analysis. And the end result of all of these years, literally years of research, and they had some holdouts on the team. Some, some I mean, they're always skeptics to begin yeah. with. Doubters, you know, they doubt, 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 doubt. And then one day, I remember uh, Phil and I were sitting on the plane getting ready to go to Jordan. 
And um, he got a phone call. Phil got a phone call. And he, he mouthed across the aisle to me, it's Malcolm, you know, uh, who's one of the lead astrophysicists on it. And he said, he's ready to publish. He's got what he needs. And so finally, uh, that began to come together, and they started writing this paper, and they worked on that paper for probably over well over a year. And um, now it's published. Now, now what is it saying? What, what it's saying is this. I mean, from, from my perspective, from a biblical perspective, it's saying that the biblical destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain was not a myth, wasn't a legend. It was a, it was a real mm -hmm. event. It actually happened that in the blink of an eye, an entire civilization, north, northeast of the Dead Sea in the southern Jordan Valley, exactly where the Bible tells us it is, was destroyed in the blink of an eye. It was gone. And, uh, and in fact, the, the phrase in Genesis 19 is, God destroyed it with fire and burning stone, or burning stone and fire. Sometimes uh, the burning stone, a gopreet in Hebrew, is translated Sulfur, yeah. but it, it can mean that, but probably in this context means more like what the Akkadian, what the Akkadian word, similar word means, which is burning stone. In fact, the Arabic in the Quran actually says burning stones. Trans the Quran tells the story picking, of Sodom. Picking that up from the Bible. Yeah. And so, but anyway, so I was translated burning stone in fire from Yahweh out of the heavens. Now, what does that sound like? I mean, to me, airburst. What does that sound like? It sounds like a meteoritic airburst, and that that means an air, a meteor or an asteroid that gets comes into the Earth's atmosphere, and it breaks up because of all the pressure, yep. and and it's not so much um, pieces that are landing in the ground. It's the this burst of air yeah. and heat that goes before it. Exactly, and that's what makes all the destruction. Yeah. And these happen. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all the time. You see them as shooting stars yes, at night. Right. That, every single one of those yeah. is a little micro airburst, a little piece of, that burns up in the atmosphere. Yeah. Okay? But what mm -hmm. happens with these is it's big, the object is big enough, and the trajectory and the velocity and the mass and everything is just right so that it heats up, heats up, gets to critical mass while it's still in the atmosphere, explodes into this superheated kind of plasma, and then splashes or smashes onto the ground without leaving a crater. It just decimates everything with a huge shock wave and, and, and high heat. Uh, by the way, uh, we find people, the remains of bits and pieces of people in our Middle Bronze Age destruction layer. And it's kind of spooky when you see that. I mean, it's just a little bit strange to see that, that there's mm -hmm. just bits and, and there's just not hardly two bones together. Yeah. It's just bits and pieces. And we might have some uh -huh. more of that in, in the bones that we sent yeah. off uh, to, to a university in Canada with, with um, one of our bone experts. And um, he yeah. can't get to it till spring, but hey, uh, you know, COVID locked him out. <laughs> of his lab. But um, anyway, it will, we may have more, but we do have some and we've seen them. And uh, it, it's, it's exactly as the Bible describes it. It, it. it just blows me away. But anyway, this paper came out and it went viral all over the internet that scientists have discovered the, the event 
of the destruction of the cosmic event of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and it just went crazy. Well, then the uh, the these very small, actually, group of scientists who don't like this sort of thing uh, started pushing back against it, pushing back against and it. And don't like so much the Bible connection, not right. so much uh, airburst. Yeah, but. you know, they don't like the Bible connection, but they also started finding fault with the different things they, you know, in the paper. Listen, there are 21 authors on the paper. 21 authors on the paper. A lot of them are tenured professors yeah. in physics, material science, and other things. I mean, these people are... Yeah are researchers and know what they're doing. And this is what they see. This is what they see are these proxies. And what they don't understand, uh, because I've been dealing with one of the, maybe the fiercest one of them all um, on a personal basis. But what he doesn't see is that when we did all of our sampling was very controlled. They tested all the material in the strata above, through the Middle Bronze Age stratum, and, and into the strata below. These proxies are found in the Middle Bronze Age stratum in significant quantities, little or nothing of that above or below. It's the quantity. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily just the fact of the existence of the materials themselves. It's the quantity of it. And so um, it's, uh, it's created some waves. It really has... Uh, it's not over yet. Now, something will come along, you know, in a month or so, uh, and the news will shift. Uh, you know, the focus always shifts to something else. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but right now, uh, people are still looking at it, and um, it, it's amazing. To me, it's amazing to people that look at it that this could actually be the case. But I'm not surprised. Are you surprised? No. I'm not surprised. No. I find the biblical text perfectly credible historically, so I'm not surprised. Well... It was the biblical text of Genesis 13 that led us to Sodom in the first place. I mean, it took us to the location, and lo and behold, there it was. Yeah. And it put it in the Bible, puts it in the right time, puts it in the right place, and has the right events associated with it, particularly now this destruction event. All of that's exactly right. That's what the, the Bible had it all spelled out, even describes the airburst. Mm, yeah. There's no other place in the Bible where you get this language of some, something. I mean, until you go to the book of Revelation, maybe, you know, this, this meteorite, or this, this heavenly object coming out of the sky and exploding onto the earth and killing a lot of people. You don't have, it's the one place. It's the one place. And, well, guess what? It actually happened. Mm. Now, I wasn't surprised because I was never surprised about the text. Yeah. It was always right geographically. It was right chronologically, and it was certainly right about the airburst. Uh, it described it perfectly. And by the way, 20 years ago, when I first did the research on the text, anticipating, you know, doing the ground exploration to try to locate Sodom, John Moore, Dr. John Moore, wrote a chapter in that, in that little book we produced, The Search for Sodom and Gomorrah. He wrote a chapter on airburst. I never heard the word. He had studied it. And he said, well, did you ever consider that, that language in Genesis 19, uh, burning stone and fire from, out of the, from Yahweh out of the heavens, that that is a perfect phenomenological description for an ancient person to make of, uh, of an airburst event? Have you ever considered that? And I said, well, I will now. I mean, think about it. So he sent me all kinds of articles from science... Uh, from science uh, magazine, science reports, 
on, on Tunguska and other airbirds and all that. And um, so I started reading up on it, reading up on it. Then I got in, in, pretty deeply involved in that research over the years, at least reading what other people had done. And um, so when our, from the, when the guys in our team began showing up kind of one at a time, um, it was just, okay, guys, go. Let's, let's see if it, let's see what's there and if the Bible's right or not. But it wasn't a test to see if the Bible was right or not. I mean, I knew that that was going to happen. The Bible had already told me that there was going to be a destruction event of, how shall I say, biblical proportions. Yes. Well, uh, pretty exciting stuff. The link's there on the screen so you can see it yourself, uh, read the article, have your own opinions, and of course you're welcome to get in touch with us with some thoughts and some insights. And um, why don't you come and join us excavate? Uh, we're going to be digging for a few more years. we got lots more to find, and we'd love to have you join us. Well, this is, uh, this, this is exciting stuff. It's what we've been doing the last 15 years, and now we've got 21 materials scientists who've joined us, not actually part of our team, just working in conjunction right. with us, and uh, we're very excited about all this. So um, read up on it, uh, come join us, and uh, make a difference. The Bible can be trusted. Thanks for being with us, traveling down biblical archaeology for the 21st century. Goodbye.